So welcome back to Untranslated Islam. This is your brother Ben Yusuf, and this is the show where we travel, go on expeditions, journeys through the oceans of knowledge, the mountains of knowledge, and excavate benefits for both you and I to benefit from and apply to our lives. We were right in the midst of doing a whole series about uh, filling the Quran and things that would help us fill our Quran in our Salah and outside of it. But I'm going to take a quick break and I want to start into something else. And this is a series that we're going to be doing of stories of benefit uh, from the stories from the Sahaba, from the Quran, the Sunnah and the Salaf that I think will be of great benefit. Inshallah ta'ala. So for our first pick is going to be a pick that's actually very near and dear to me. It's something I think about a lot because of the story's content and because of where I heard the story from. So for those who hear this, they may say, hey, it's only a small group of people who would know this story. But those who hear it, they'll say, hey, I heard that story before. I heard that story mentioned before, but we didn't hear it directly from the text. And that's what I want to bring. We heard it from our brother's mouth and he was giving us a, a bridge version of it. And I want to give you the exact text and then extract some benefits. OK, so. This story can be found in what's called Rodat al-Muhibbin, which was a, uh, a book by Ibn al-Qayyim al-Jawzi. And he said that he got it from Ibn al-Jawziyah, so from a book of Ibn al-Jawziyah, uh, 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 of Ibn al-Jawzi, excuse me, Ibn al-Jawzi, which was basically about two generations before him, okay, or a generation and a half before him or like that, all right? So the point is, is, is that it's a very strong, has a very strong chain and is very beneficial. He says... وذكر أبو الفرج وغيره أن امرأة جميلة كانت بمكة. So he starts out and he says that Abu al-Faraj and other than him talked about this story of a woman that was beautiful that used to be in Mecca. وكان لها زوج and she had a husband. فنظرت يوما إلى وجهها في المرأة. So one day she was looking at herself in the mirror. فقالت, so she said لزوجها, to her husband Do you think that any man could see this face or any one she said but um, she meant like any man you think any man can see this face and it wouldn't be a fitna upon him it wouldn't you know you think that they could see it and you know and قال, the husband said yes <laughs> I'm sorry. I know it's coming, so I'm, I'm kind of smiling, but it's a reality of the inner, what goes on in the, in the inside of people's homes sometimes. It's just like, wow. So anyway, so this woman says that because of her beauty, she knows she's beautiful. So he said, yeah, I know somebody. Call it men. She said, who? Call it Ubaid ibn Umair. She said, Ubaid, uh, he said, Ubaid ibn Umair wouldn't be offended, wouldn't be affected by your beauty. Call it. This is what this would trip me out. Like what? Call it. She said. Then So she says. All right. Well, give me permission to go and to see. And I promise you that when I show him my face is going to be a fitna. And he actually, as a husband, said. All right. I'm going to give you permission to go do this. All right. So before we even go any deeper. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. When we say fitna, fitna, the, the the root of it is like trial and tribulation that comes from something, some test or like that. So in this situation, the chapter is called fitna tinisat, 
which is the trials and tribulations or the tests that come through woman. Okay. And, uh, it, it comes from a, 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 a hadith where the Prophet said, Fataku dunya wa taku nisa. He said, so be careful or shield yourself from the troubles of the, of this worldly life and shield yourself from the troubles of troubles or be careful from these women. For verily, the first test that the children of Israel experienced came through their woman. Okay. So the point is, is that being careful of the trials and tribulations that come through woman. A woman is a, a very unique creature because they can be the most righteous woman or a good woman or whatever. And still just because of their nature, they can cause some trouble with the men that surround them or connected to them or surrounded by them. Okay. So the whole point is that you have to be very, very careful with the woman. And the Prophet Sallallahu told that is that even in Hujatul Wada'at, Wada'at, then the final, the farewell, uh, I mean, Khutbatul Wada'at and the farewell Khutbah. He told us to make sure that we're careful with the woman. All right. To make sure we take care of them right and be careful. So anyway, so in this situation, you have a man giving his wife permission. So it shows their level where they at. They're Muslims, but their level of Iman is not exactly right because it's like, okay, you know, yeah, I'm going to give you permission to go do that. Before we go any further also, or maybe I should read through the whole thing and then go back. Okay. I'm going to read through the whole thing and then go back and extract benefits. Huh? Uh, I can, I can, I can just like start, start, start reading in English. All right, I'm just going to start translating in English directly. Uh, now I was going to do sentence by sentence or word by word, but, all right. Uh, call, he said, فأتتو, uh, كالمستفت, So she came in the guise of being someone that needed a fatwa. She needed some help from the sheikh. Okay. Uh, okay, this is where they at. So he thinks she needs a fatwa given. So he's trying to give her some privacy. So he goes to a corner of the Masjid al-Haram in order to have her have privacy to ask her question. So she had a niqab on. Once they went over there and it was in privacy, she took up the niqab or pulled it down or whatever to make sure that he saw her face. And it, it said it was a face that was like the brightest moon. Okay. So he immediately said, Ya Allah, istatidi. Oh, oh, slave, and reminding her of her position with Allah. Oh, maidservant of Allah, cover your face. All right. She said, She started with that game. Huh? Do you know how they do? Oh, you're so large. You're with it. She said, she said, you, you are fitting it to me. She says to him, you are fitting it to me. I, I, I like, I basically, I need you to, I need you to have me. I need you to have me. Call. He said, inni sa'iluk an shay'in fa in anti sadaktini nadartu fi amrik. He said, okay, I'm going to ask you about a thing which turned into some things. And if you speak the truth, to me about what I say, I ask you about, then I think about what you're asking me about. She said, Let us elni and shayin illa sadaktuk. You'll ask me anything you want. Whatever you ask me, I'm going to answer it truthfully. He said, Akhbirini, lo enna malak al maut, ataka, ataki, li yakubiza ruhaki, akana yasuruki, and akadi laki, havihi al haja. So tell me if right now, or it can mean when he comes, the angel of death comes, or if he came right now, 
while we're in the midst of this, would you be pleased that I was fulfilling this desire that you had or that you're asking for? Khaled, she said, Allahumma la. She said, Wallahi la. So she, he got her thinking now like a slave of Allah, like a human instead of, you know, like the woman think or like people think. Khaled, he said, Sadakti. You spoke the truth. Ask the second question. So when you enter your grave and you are made to sit up and be asked the questions in the grave, will it please you that I fulfill this pleasure or this desire that you have? She said, Allahumma la. Wallahi no. Kala sodat. So you spoke the truth. Third question. If when the, the time comes for the people to be given their books of deeds and you didn't get yours yet and you're terrified because you don't know if you're going to get yours in your right hand or in your left hand. So you start thinking about everything that you've done in life. Will it please you? That I fulfill this thing for you that you're asking me to fulfill you? Of course, she said, Allahumma la. I swear to Allah, no. All right? He, she said, he said, number four, fellow arati al-mumir, al-mamar, al-mam, al-mamar, al-sirat, wala tadirina, hal tanjina, awla tanjin. When it's time for you to grow across the bridge of the sirat that's going to be laid over the hellfire in order to get the Jannah. And you don't know if you're going to make it over or not make it over. Now, there's a reason why he said that, because those kalalib, those things that's going to come up, as we're going to mention in another class, they are directly connected to how many sins that you fell victim to. For each sin that you fell victim to and didn't get forgiven for, it's going to be a hook that's going to be coming trying to drag you down. Okay. So he said, when you're trying to get over that bridge and you don't know if you're going to make it or not, are you going to be pleased with the fact that I fulfilled this for you? She said, well, Allahumma la. I swear by Allah, no. Oh, oh, Allah, no. Oh, yeah, Allah. I guess you say, yeah, Allah, no. Okay. She actually asked the fifth question. Fellow Jia bin Mizan wa Jia Biki. Fala tadarina ayakhifu Mizanaki au yafkul. Au yafkul. Yafkul. Akani yasurruki. And he goes, says the whole spill. I'm just saying the things as different in each time. So he says, when the Mizan is brought forth, the scale is brought forth, the way the deeds. And you are brought forth for your deeds to be weighed. Uh, and you don't know, are your deeds going to weigh heavy on the scale or light? Are you going to be pleased with me fulfilling this for you? She said, well, Allahumma la. She said, yeah, Allah, no. Last thing. Now notice what he did. All of these things was things of fear. And this last thing, which is the way that Allah deals with the woman in the Quran and the way we're supposed to deal with them, now she, he's touching our heart. When you stand in front of Allah, there's not going to be anybody between you and him. That's called Yom al-Khajr, the day of embarrassment. And you have to stand in front of him and he asks you about the things that you did. He's going to say everything, as it says in the hadith. Do you remember what you did on this day, or this day, at this time, at this hour, at this minute? Everything. And to even the most righteous person from the things and mistakes he did, he's going to say, Ya Rabbi, halakt. 
I'm, I'm, I'm destroyed. And then you got to wait to see if he's going to forgive you or not forgive you. When that day coming, you got to stand in front of a law. When a day of embarrassment, a shyness. Are you going to be pleased with the fact that he's going to ask you about this face to face, basically, in a way that befits his majesty? She said, Allahumma la. So then he said, Fatakillah. فَقَدْ أَنْعَمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْكِ وَأَحْسَنَ إِلَيْكِ He says, so then shield yourself from the, from, the, from the displeasure of Allah. And when I say taqwa Allah or taqillah, people usually just say fear Allah. But it literally comes from the word ittaqa yataqi, okay, which means to shield yourself from something. Okay, in that hadith where, where uh, the, 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 well, let's get into all that. But it literally means to shield yourself. So when you hear me to, uh, translate uh, taqwa or taqillah, I'm usually going to say shield yourself because that's what it's talking about. Shield yourself from the harm or from the displeasure of Allah. Uh, by doing right, for verily Allah has favored you. Huh? He's bestowed a poor favors upon you, and he has been good to you. All right? Call. So, said for Raja'at. So, she returned to her husband after all of this. She returned to her husband after all of this, and her husband sitting there looking for the gossip, looking for the tea. Like, so what happened? So what? <laughs> like, come on, man. I'm saying this, and the reason why I'm bringing this, y'all, Come on, because literally, uh, huh? Huh? What a cuck. You know what a cuck means? C U C K? No, but I know cuck is like a rooster or something, right? No, cuck. Oh, no. C U C K. No. Oh, what, what did I know? The, God. No, I know the word, but I know I don't know what it means. Allahu Akbar. I never knew it was a word for that. When I was growing up, my father told me about these types of people. He said when he was growing up, a lot of dudes would get their men dressed up, I'd get their woman dressed up to look all nice, all tight and looking all night, and then tell her, walk in front of me. And he would walk, she would walk, and he would get pleasure out of watching men look at her. And she, he was like, do you understand how sick that is? We was little young boys. And we was like, that's sick because we were still on our fitra. He's like, well, that's the type of stuff that people do. That's the reason why Islam teaches you. Yeah, well, that's, that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that that was the case, but he might have wanted gossip. So we, because it, unfortunately, for those who know, uh, all this is going to be on. I, you should keep all of this on here because for those who know, we've known the situations where people set up imams. It's, it was one that was on the internet just in the past 10 years or something like that. But y'all know the situations where people set up imams because they didn't want them there. So they send women to start calling them and go and meet them at their masjid and all that kind of stuff. They get them in trouble until they make the, mas- the, the, the imams fall victim to them. And then they run to the early mat and say, I don't think this man is, is good to be the imam because this, he fell victim to this woman and she told us about it. And then when they find out, it's like the woman say, oh, they sent me there. They told me to do that. So my whole point is, is that it's a lot of crap. And that's the reason why I brought this is because it shows the clear distance between the people of knowledge and righteousness and the crap that we do, y'all. Like, come on. We got to make sure that we be better, man. We got to be better than that. So the point is, is that so he she went to from this place of this man. I didn't tell y'all who Omer was, did I? I didn't go into that, huh? Uh, all right. All right. So, yeah, let's finish this first and then we'll talk about who this man was. But literally from a mountain of knowledge, you see this contrast. She goes from this mess that we know up to a place of a mountain of knowledge, trying that stuff. 
And that affected her till she came back and said this to her husband. So let's let's say what she said. So she returns and she, he says, Mess or not. Uh what happened? What happened? Give me the juice. Give me the give me the the, the whatever. Call that she said, she said, you know what? You're worthless and terrible. And we are worthless and terrible. And from then on, she focused on uh, praying properly, fasting properly, and constantly being in a state of ibadah with Allah. Fakana Zojuha, and that's how you know that he was wrong. Fakana Zojuha, Yakul. So her husband after that used to say, Mali Wali Ubaid ibn Umair, all upset. It's a situation between me and Ubaid ibn Umair. I got a problem with him. That's how we would say it. Got a problem with that boy. Okay? Fsada Aliya Imraati. He corrupted, messed up my woman. My woman broke. How we would say, man, my woman broke now. She was like this and like that. Now she broke, man. Said before she he went to her, she, she went to, 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 to visit him. She every night was like the first night that we got married. And now all she do is pray like a daggone monk. That's all she do is pray, pray and fast. And like she might as well be in a daggone monastery. All right. So that's the end of the, of the, of the thing. All right. There's many benefits in this story. I mean, we can literally sit here for an hour and talk about the benefits. But the reason why I brought this story is a few things that we deal with on a regular basis. Number one, who was Umair? Uh, who was Ubaid ibn Umair? Ubaid ibn Umair was born in the fifth year of the Hijrah. Okay. Which means that he was around during the time of the prophet, but he was a young boy. So he didn't meet the prophet, but his father was a Sahaba or was a Sahib of the prophet. He, his father met the prophet before. So he was, this was a long time ago. Okay. He was the first one that was known for giving wow or giving admonitions. And this was during the time of Umar ibn al-Khattab and is narrated that Umar al-Khattab's son Abdullah used to sit in his, uh, his sittings of admonitions. So he was, um, they say he was the one, awal, awal, the first one who cost, cost al-Qasas. He was the first one who started telling stories that had admonitions in them. Okay. So this was a major, major character. We've seen situations where major, major characters fitness is brought to them. And so you see that this is something that goes way, way back. This was right after the Prophet Sallallahu died. So there are different levels of Muslims and Allah decrees that because every person can be tested and every person must be on their, on their strong game. But what you don't want to be is that person that's doing the testing. Don't be the weak link in the Muslim community. Okay. Don't be that person. Always try to be the one that's upstanding, period. And then you husbands, please make sure that you're being upstanding regarding your families, okay? The term do youth, which uh, 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 I was just reminded of, is like they, they say in English, like a cuckold, like someone who they get joy out of their woman doing things that's totally improper and like i said when i was growing up my father he told me about people like this i was i couldn't believe it but i've come into the muslim world and i see that clearly even in the muslim world to this day there are some people who dress their woman up literally have them walk in front of them and look at people to see who looks at them they like like that like they think it's a trophy or something like that or they have them on their arm and they're looking at people to see who's looking at my who's looking at my woman my woman's beautiful we don't do that. 
The Prophet said the youth won't even smell the fragrance of Jannah, even though the smell of it is kether wa kether, talking about how far the distance the smell of Jannah goes. So this is a very serious situation. We are shepherds over our flock, and we're going to be asked about what they do, especially giving them permission to do something that's evil, but that's terrible. Okay? So we have to all be better. The next point is the point of the five things that he mentioned. Uh, uh, the statement of Hasibu and Fusakum Kabalantu Hasibu, uh, uh, take account of yourself before you're taken account of and weigh your deeds before they are weighed. For verily, this is a long statement. This is from, from, uh, Umar or from Ibn Umar? Okay. All right. It's a statement. I believe it's from Umar al Khattab, but it might have been from his son. It says, uh, take account of yourself before you are taken account of. And, and, and weigh your own deeds before they are weighed. He said, because verily today is the time for action without any uh, uh, recompense. And tomorrow is going to be the time for recompense without any way, chance to do any more actions. All right. So the point is, is, is that we... It is Ramad, huh? Okay, yeah, Ramad al-Khattab. He, he's doing a bit. Very famous statement. Very, very, very famous statement. So the whole point is, is that uh, we have to do that. And you see, like I said, the distance. Uh, Ibn Otami, I think it was, who was talking about people being in Salah. And he said two people could be standing in Salah, but the difference of their Salah is the difference between the heavens and the earth. Because this person is in Salah and all he's thinking about is that Hakim with the Catholic, thinking about like being distracted by all the things he's going to go and gather and do after Salah. And this one, all he looks forward to is Salah. And when he gets in there, it's like he has the Raha from this dunya, like the Prophet used to say about the Salah. Ya Bilal, arihna bis-salah. When it was time for the van, he would say, tell him, arihna bis-salah. Give us a break from this dunya by making, calling it a van so we can have the beauty of Salah. So the distance between people is like that. So, you see this man, this woman, and she's like on a level that the type of people we deal with. Look at the difference when she goes to someone who's a Rabbani, someone who that's what they do for a living is to make closest to Allah and to encourage others to. And you see, she, he did it out of concern and care. It was what they call tough love, but he did it out of concern and care and then gave her good advice and sent her on her way. He ain't put her on blast or nothing like that. He sent her on her way and left the whole situation as well as it was. So the five things that he mentioned, which was number one, these are five uh, mawaqif or, or situations that every person has to go through. And when you get there, it's going, you're going to have the most regret of everything that you've done, especially the stuff that you ain't make forgiveness for. When the angel of death come to get you, like we said, don't you dare let the angel of death catch you, except that you're in total submission to Allah, that you ain't in the middle of doing those sins and this and that. Ain't no way you can do it unless you ain't doing that kind of stuff. Plain and simple. Because you don't know when he's coming to get you. Number two, questioning in the grave before you do any action. You know, those are the people, the people of the self of the past. Some of them, they would have graves literally dug out because it would be their own quarters or their own, their own land. They would have their grave already dug out and they would go in there and lay in there sometimes to remind them and lay in there and cry and say, if only I had a chance to do this, do that. And then remind themselves and get up and say, I do have the chance to still do those actions and do those things. So they would remind themselves because they know that's where they got to go. So the point is, think about when you got to get in that grave and those questions got to be asked. It's a serious deterrence. So these are the five deterrents from doing something as displeasing to a law. When the angel of death come in the grave. The third one, he said, when the people begin receiving their books of deeds, that's one of the situations, once again, where 
it's going to be terrifying. And each person is going to be waiting. And one, either they're going to get it in their right hand or you guys know the ayats. One says in the left hand and then it says the other says, many of the tafsir says that the front, the right hand is going to be in front. The left hand, if it's going to be given in the left hand, literally an angel is going to come from behind the person, each person and twist to point to their break their arm. And this is in the cathedral to pull it back and then put their book in it and they know they're going to be in trouble so they're not going to even get the honor of getting it in front of them it's going to be twisted broken pulled to the back hand put in front of them uh the book put in their hand and they're going to know they're in a bad situation so we don't want to be from those people and each person gonna be waiting to see what is what they're going to get people ask well how is that don't you already know when you get punished in the grave? I mean, when the angels come and they beating the person, don't you already know when you in the grave? Don't you already know this time, that time? There's different explanations with the early man about that. But in general, because of the distance of time and a law as a punishment, making these people forget in each macomb or situation, they're still going to be startled, hoping with this hope that everything's going to be okay. And then something happens is another thing to show they're still not okay, number one. The other thing is that they said that each person, when they go through these trials, it could be a enough that it wipes out everything for them and by the time they get to the next trial Allah has forgiven them and so the next trial becomes easier for them so each person is going to hope for that but each situation where something bad happens they know okay Allah still didn't wipe it away or still didn't forgive me okay and they said each situation all the way up to when you get to the hellfire <coughs> each difficulty <coughs> excuse me each difficulty until you get to the hellfire itself could be something that expiates and wipes away because of the difficulty you're going to go through. And so you might get to the hellfire and be able to get across because it was wiped away. But if not, then the person has to fall into the hellfire, get it burnt out before they can go to Jannah for those people who died upon Islam. All right. The fourth thing. When it's time to pass over the Sirat, we're going to do a whole lesson about that. Okay. But the only people just know this. The only people passing over the Sirat are us, the Muslims. Okay. He's talking to the Muslims when he says that. He says, not a single one of y'all except y'all got to pass over it. Why? In the Hadith Sahih, it already explains that everybody else, they're going to have to be, they're going to be told to go to the people they used to worship, the things they used to worship. And then they're going to be asked, what you used to worship? He said, I used to worship this. And he said, well, this wasn't God. So now what do you want? He said, we want something to drink. And he said, find your drink in there. And they're going to be thrown into the hellfire. So everybody's going to be thrown into the hellfire except the Muslims and the Munafiqeen or hypocrites that's mixing with the Muslims because Allah is doing that to dupe them. Uh, like he said, he said that the Munafiqeen think they duping Allah, but Allah is going to dupe them. That's going to be the duping. That every situation, they're going to think that they with the Muslims getting over, getting over, getting over until they on that bridge and their lights are taken away and they try to run back and they can't and a, 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 a barrier is put between them and the believers and they're going to know they're in a bad situation. So it's only going to be the Muslims and the Munafiqeen that's going over that bridge. Okay? So when the time for the bridge is Sirat, you, you hear that? Take it personal. That's us. Who going to get over and who going to have to fall into that first level of hellfire and have some stuff burnt out of them? May Allah make us all get over. Amin. All right. The fifth one is when the scales are brought forth. The scales and its different narrations about that. We'll go through all of this in separate classes, but just quickly. The scales is going to, is the, the, when the scales are brought forth, the angels are going to fall in prostration and say, man, we haven't praised you. We haven't made, uh, praised you. Your proper praising is what they're going to say about to Allah when they see this, the size and the mass, the massiveness of these scales. Okay. So the whole point is, is that deeds are going to be weighed in it. 
the person is going to be weighed in it. And there's a third thing I can't think of right now, but it's going to be your deeds. It's going to be the person itself, himself, each person themselves. And it's going to be something else that's going to be weighed in those scales. But the whole point is we all know from everybody knows Surah Qadia, Qadia, excuse me. We all know that Surah. That's the situation. Going to be most one of the most scariest times ever in existence. All right. Last one is when you stand in front of Allah, they call this Yom Al-Khajil. And I'm going to close with this because I don't want to go too long. But Yom Al-Khajil is going to be so important, which is part of Yom Al-Qiyamah. But each thing is taught. Each name is based on a situation. This situation is the ayats that terrified the Sahabas when he said, Okay? He said, no matter what you hid, concealed, or what you revealed, Allah is going to take you to account for it. Most of the ulama tafsir said this wasn't abrogated by the next surah, by the next ayah. But they said that this means something and that means something. And this made it a little easier on the sahabas than this. Because when they heard that, they were so terrified and asked the prophet, what are we supposed to do with that? And the, and the, uh, the prophet told him, him, he said, just say, do your best and say, we believe, we, 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 we hear and we we obey. And then after the ayats came after, which is the last two ayats of Surah Baqarah, and it was like something that made it a little easier. But the point is, the Prophet said that you're not going to be punished for what for anything unless you spoke on it or acted on it. But the thing of being held accountable in front of Allah, he's going to mention everything, even the things that you hid. And you got to stand. And that's why they call it Yom Al-Khajr, the day of embarrassment, shyness, because no one, not even the angels wrote that stuff down. You're not held accountable for the stuff, but what those things that you felt or thought that led you to do something bad, then you hold accountable for that. But the ones you just thought in your head and that you ain't ever say, Allah going to call you accountable for that. And he's just going to mention everything to you. So, you know, he knew everything all the time. And that's the reason why it says that even the most righteous person is going to put his head down and say, y'all don't be halakt. Like, destroy it, man. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? Then you got to wait to see if he's going to forgive you for all of that. Or if he going to punish you. And if he going to forgive you, then he make that statement. He says, I shielded us. I hid that from everybody, even the Malachi, even the angels. I hid it from all of them and the dunya. And now I forgive you for this day. And on this day, go ahead. You're going in the gender. Okay. So my point is, there was a five, six deep, deep situations, yo. That if you just think about those situations or any one of them. Before you take a step into doing something wrong, you'll think twice. And that's the reason why I brought this. Okay. So, like I said, I'm trying to bring things that we can feel. These, this is one of the stories that keep me in order. I think about this regularly and I give it to you now to apply to your life and we'll keep excavating. And it's up to, or we'll keep excavating. I just ask you to keep applying until next time. This is your brother. إلا محسن فمن الذي يدعو ويرجو الآن